Hello, and welcome to the first Romaniacs of 2020, New Decade, New Danger. Boris Johnson's new cabinet has settled in, and much as we might hate the idea, and indeed it makes a mockery of the name of our podcast, Brexit is now going to happen. The withdrawal bill is in committee stage, and barring an exciting penultimate episode plot twist, Britain will leave the EU at the end of the month. But that doesn't mean the subsequent trade and political negotiations will be a formality. We may indeed not get Brexit done. So we'll be sticking the course through the year to provide at least a little of the scrutiny that the current parliament can't. Let's say hello to some of our regulars. Alex Andreo writes, sings, cooks and makes sense of Brexit. And he had a Norway plus Christmas in actual Norway. <laughs> Alex, how was, it? was um, it, did it? Did it live up to the hype? A bit disappointing, to be honest. <laughs> much as much as Norway plus would have been. <laughs> no, it, no, I mean, I love Norway. My sister lives out there, so I, I, I've been many times. Um, but what was notable this time is that they they too are going backwards. I mean, they've got a centre-right government at the moment in coalition with a far-right government, with a far-right party mm. in Norway. The Ministry of Finance is actually under the equivalent of the leader of UKIP at the moment. Oof. So, um, yeah, and it, it's just, you know, not where I thought they'd be. And so everyone is very... Um, Hand ringy. Well, you if, that, felt, if that's an adjective, you must have felt right at home then. You don't go to one of those smug countries, <laughs> one of the few smug countries on the map where everything's where, fine. Where they're going in the right direction, no. Um, so Matthew Elliott from Vote Leave and Will Straw from Britain in a Changing Europe uh, cross the divide to call on Britain to come together in 2020. Um, how do you see that healing process playing out, and what do they even think is going to happen? Um, I mean, I think I think there's going to be quite a big effort to get as many Remainers as possible to basically co-own the shit show that will follow, and I'm not falling for it. Well, we should point I'm out not, that we still think Brexit it. is a bad idea. Well, Brexit, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we exactly. sort of expected not to now, because it's like, well, you lost exactly. and now you just have to get behind it. It's like, we know, still quite pretty bad. Well, so are Labour going to get behind the Tories? Well, it's, know, I, I don't know, but it just, it makes a mockery of the idea of um, uniting, because a big part of uniting is acknowledging that this is seen as a very bad thing by millions of people <laughs> and allowing, allowing them the space and the time to grieve for and, that, actually. And th there's a reason the phrase is truth and reconciliation. Yeah. We haven't had any truth. No, so exactly. how can we have the reconciliation? Exactly. Without an inquiry into Brexit, there can't be a... That was CEO of Best of Britain and the woman who's been telling the general election like it is, Naomi Smith. Hello, Naomi. Hello. Uh, Dominic Cummings has written a blog post calling for weirdos and misfits with odd skills to apply for jobs at Downing Street and join his special brain crew. Uh, does your Arlene Foster impression fit the bill? Is there going to be a place for you in the Team Dom? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, uh, Arlene was, you know, great at standing in for me for the, the Christmas message. So, you know, very grateful to her for that. Um, I, as I understand it, Yuri Geller has actually applied. Um, he, has, he has made oh. an actual application and, you know, that, that oh. spoon bending might be the, the weird skill set that they're looking for. But, I mean, look, who would apply to work for that man who isn't 
quite strange and deviant because look at his track record, you know, firing people on the spot, the number of women who were sacked, all the spads that were sacked pre-election were all women. Um, Sajid Javid ended up in a in a ministry with no, I think, female junior ministers at all. Um, you know, it's, it's a horrible envi- working environment and you'd have to be a misfit to want to put yourself forward for it, do, surely. Do, what do you imagine this League of Extraordinary Wankermen is going to... <laughs> to do you think anything is going to come of this? Is it going to be lots of people like, you know, like the techie people in 24, just talking very, very fast and typing no, and being really, trolling. really clever? I, yeah. I, I genuinely think it's just trolling. Probably. Okay. I mean, yeah. th- there he's, are he's some outright techies, of course. Um, and, you know, lots of them will be falling over themselves to get a slice of power and all the rest of it. You know, he'll he'll get them. But, yeah, as you say, this was a classic Dom stunt in, in the wording of that job ad. Also, I'm thinking of applying. <laughs> well, because why not? Troll, troll him back. Well, I might get an interview. What's your oddest fun. skill? Well, like we said, he sings, he cooks, he well, used exactly. to sail. We're always sailing. Exactly. Well, no, no, it says weirdos and misfits with odd skills. If that that's isn't Alex. a good <laughs> description of my skill set, I don't know it. Former lawyer, <laughs> come actor, cook, singer, sailor. Podcast. I mean, opera guy, weirdo. You ain't going to get that. No, I'm going to be the only application with that combination. You're just going to be running your own department yeah. by the end of the year. Yay! Completing the panel is Ingrid Oliver, writer, director, and according to Twitter, if you're listening to Dom and you need one of these, a pantsuit aficionado <laughs> in Hollywood Caper, The Hustle, out now on Netflix. Hello, Ingrid. Hello. <laughs> Regular listeners will know that your mum won her seat for the Conservatives in the general election. Hooray. Not an issue most listeners will have to wrestle with. You've gamely agreed to talk about it once and then we'll never mention it again. Yeah, well, it's, it's sort of my own fault because I brought it up in the first place. So, I mean, the, the, the truth is, I thought it was quite a funny, a funny joke, a funny gag, running gag, um, because I didn't think she'd win. I think she wouldn't mind me saying that because she was in a in a one of the uh, famously known now red wall seats that had been Labour forever. So I, I thought the chances of her winning were quite, were quite slim, um, and and then she did win, and. Uh, <laughs> So now it feels slightly less funny. Um, so yeah, I, I'm yeah. I just I've decided that I probably won't. Talk. People people have been asking on Twitter about it. It's I still think, pretty funny, babe. I'm sure. <laughs> you, you know, I'm actually I'm genuinely going to write a sitcom about it. I'm get, I've got offers flying in um, because yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, it was a bit of a shock, um, and we're dealing with it in the best way we can. Did did you did you did you? talk it through yeah do you know what i mean i i didn't even know the night that it happened i was in cape town so i i just went to bed before, while the election was happening i think i think naomi actually i think you were the first person to text me it was before it was even declared, before, it was, before it was declared yeah. and it, so even before my mum knew actually so in I, fairness the mlp had been telling it to you as well right so. maybe i just have been cheating to ignore that um but i yeah i uh so i found it and i actually texted my mum who was at the count saying you've won apparently you've won and she went oh, I, I'm, I don't know that yet and i was like oh well i i do <laughs> um so yeah we do you know what all joking aside i i am on a personal level, I'm very proud of my mum, and she worked really fucking hard. And she, she is genuinely excited about the things that she can do. She's a, she's a, she's been a local councillor for years, and she she genuinely wants to effect change. So on that, I can't fault her. We just have very different opinions about what that must look like. But fair play to her; she's in power. You've got to be in power to to make a change. So that's that's one lesson we've Not learned. If you win the argument, you don't. Right, <laughs> as we've proved time and again on this podcast. <laughs> 
On this week's Romaniacs, we'll be discussing what exactly we're supposed to do with ourselves now that Brexit is only three weeks away, and how the Labour Party can crawl its way out of the ditch it's fallen into by electing a new leader and deputy. Plus, we'll tell you what we make of Boris Johnson's New Year promise to unite Britain in 2020. Hurrah! That's all after a quick reminder from Naomi. A little matter like Brexit getting done, in name at least, can't hold back the unstoppable machine that is Romaniacs Live. Our next show is in Liverpool at the famous Epstein Theatre on Saturday the 15th of February. Dorian, Ian and Roz will be bringing the usual mix of high-quality Brexit analysis and low-quality Brexit jokes to the city that proudly voted Remain in 2016. And we'll have a special guest too. Watch this space. Tickets are on sale now at ticketline.co.uk slash Romaniacs and Patreon backers get a discount. Special word to Patreon people, due to technical problems, your discount code was out of action over Christmas. Very sorry about that, but it's back up now and will be in full effect right up to the show date. There was a huge surge of Patreon backers after the general election when we said we'd continue with the podcast and we're really, really touched by that. Thank you. So we're working on new merchandise to say thank you to all of our backers and there'll be another exclusive edition of the Ask Romaniacs podcast just for Patreon people very, very soon. If you haven't signed up but want to search Patreon Romaniacs, you'll get early access to the podcast, discounts on tickets, merchandise and much more. We'll see you in Liverpool. That's ticketline.co.uk slash Romaniacs for Saturday 15th of February at the Epstein. I think you'll find that's Epstein. (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry thanks Naomi so it's fair to say we had a bit of a blue Christmas in the Ravena sphere when you fall off the horse the only thing you can do is get back on it or a different horse we're going to need a plan to get through the year so we've asked our panellists to come up with one concrete to do for listeners in 2020 Alex what are you suggesting um, other than joining the Labour Party, obviously, or an affiliated society to vote for the leadership. So I think um, support a legal charity that helps migrants. Um, just choose one of your liking, the Good Law Project, Migrant Help, Joint Council for the Welfare of in- Immigrants. They're going to be very busy with cases of EU 27 people being turned down and also British people in um, uh, Europe Uh, I think it's going to be quite a turbulent period and they will need your help uh, financial or expertise wise. You know, if you're you're an immigration lawyer and you can volunteer some hours, it it would be terrific. And I think it will also give you a a good boost Mm. to be doing something practical. We're going to put a list of uh, uh, charities like that on our Facebook page and social media for you. Uh, Naomi, what about you? Well for the last three and a half years all the Remain campaigns are saying look it's all about Parliament it's all about Parliament it's the MPs that can stop this thing write to them write to them write to them and now we find ourselves in a situation where it's not going to happen in Parliament the numbers aren't there um, so people need to do democracy rather than have democracy be done to them um, so I would just encourage people to start infiltrating um, power at the local level, wherever they can. Um, so, you know, obviously we've heard that Ingrid's mum was a councillor for a long time. Consider standing in the local elections for the party of your choosing this May. But if that feels like too much of a stretch, just get involved involved in your in your most local um, issue, whether that is, you know, a governor of a local school or, you know, helping out with um, your local food bank. Just get involved in things that are happening in your area um, and, and start to participate and 
hopefully if we can get more progressive people off being keyboard warriors on Twitter and into various different groupings and um, uh, and, and small levers of power around the country, then that can filter up to eventually having a, an, an impact in Parliament. Is that even better than, for example, doing a hashtag? It might, it <laughs> might, it might have more impact. Yeah. OK. Ingrid? Well, speaking of hashtags, that, that is my advice. My advice is come off Twitter. That's that's what I'm going to be doing largely. I'll still be promote, self-promoting like a like a like a bugger. Uh, well, I've got anything coming out, of course. But just in terms of just in terms of productivity, which feeds in actually to what Alex and Naomi are saying about things that you can actively productively do. I spent most of yesterday being angry because I, I was reading about Tim Montgomery. <laughs> Uh, you know, he gave what a speech. He gave, well, no, he gave a speech in Budapest last year. It was in December of last year, apparently, saying how you know we'll, we're going to now we're going to be clo- get close to Orban. He's had some great ideas, and how Boris and, and Orban will, oh. will now develop a close relationship. And how exciting was that Orban was exploring the limits of liberalism? Exactly. But so I got very angry about that, as did a lot of people. And then and then there was a sort of another tweet. The, the, the tweet or the story is a government advisor said Tim Montgomery is no longer going to be returning to his job. So he's essentially probably been fired. So I got angry. That's not to say he won't come back at some point in the future. I'm sure he will. But I got angry for about three hours for something that I, I, there was no point. What was the point of that? Mm. So let's just maybe shut that down and do something actively positive rather than getting just reacting constantly to these things. Actually, we we can't control anyway. Well, um, Alex mentioned it earlier, but I've become a lot more sort of passionate about this. But the 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 joining the Labour Party thing. I mean, there is obviously a kind of, uh, you know, there's a question of kind of sort of, you know, entryism and should you just join a party just so you can choose the leader? Obviously, many Corbynites did that and it worked. Um, but I feel that the, I feel what what has made me more sort of determined to, to do that and to encourage people to do that is the um, unbelievable kind of tin-eared arrogance of, I think, the Corbyn faction, where they're just kind of like, they've gone from, oh, let's all, serious consideration, you know, tough questions. Period all, of reflection. Period of reflection to just being like, yeah, Rebecca Long Bailey and Richard Bergen, shut up. You know, everything's fine. We just need to kind of spin it a bit better. It was just like, it, it absolutely infuriated me. And the gap, I think there's this enormous gap between the members, and you can see every, I know we're about to talk about the Labour leadership in more detail, but the, the thing, the main point I want to make is that Everybody still has to pander to the members who got it, unfortunately, got it really wrong and are very, very different to most voters. Mm. And that doesn't mm. mean you have to have a kind of new Blair. But you do have to kind of consider that when the activists, these people would go, well, I'm not voting, I'm, no way I'm accepting, you know, so-and-so, Jess Phillips, because she said this one thing. doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter. Mm. The, these kind of, all these sort of activist red lines. It's like you had your leader, you had your whole... NEC, you had your whole power structure and look what happened. And so there is no way, you can't just sort of sit back and go, well, I hope enough of those members, and maybe the ones not on Twitter are in fact all just thinking, well, you know what, guys, that didn't work. So without completely abandoning all these policies, we should consider a different approach. Maybe there's all Mm. these sensible, silent majority out there. But if not, you know, it's really good to sort of get involved because it is not a party for the members. It is a party for the millions of people in the country who need a viable, you know, left-wing opposition party. And and they're the people who are going to be let down if the members just go more of the same, but just with glasses. Mm. 
I feel we should have a sort of light military drumming. Yes. As a background <laughs> to that. angry. Yes, that was that was the Bartlett moment at the end of every <laughs> West Wing episode. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Next up, as mentioned, nominations for the Labour leadership open this week. The runners and riders are gearing up their campaigns and members will have a monumental six weeks to decide the next face that gets stuck on the Daily Mail's dartboard. We'll go through the candidates who so far announced they're running for leader or deputy leader and we'll do them in order of the latest bookies' odds because the oh. market don't lie. Okay. <laughs> First up, the chiselled frontrunner, Sir Keir Starmer. <laughs> um... Alex, is, is he right to say that, that once Brexit is done, leave or remain goes away as a, as a sort of crucial factor for, for Labour, at least? It's not true, but he's right to say it, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yes, he's right. Can I say, by, by means of a preamble, um, I've decided to make 2020 a year of applied learning, that's what I'm calling it, of actually thinking about shit that I've done wrong before and trying not to repeat the same mistakes. And so on the Labour leadership, we are going to end up with one of these people as leader and someone else as deputy leader. So I've decided to say nothing negative about anyone. That's right, anyone, not even Richard Bergen. I'm going to I'm going to be... You just did. I'm going to be... <laughs> yes, right. So this is the last time. This is the last time. Absolutely last time. Richard Bergen is a joke. Get it out of your Absolutely system. last time. Get it out of my system. Okay. So, but I'm going... I'm just going to try to be constructively critical of all of them. Okay. So my constructive criticism of um, Keir Starmer who I think has a lot of very good attributes, but I think he should have some vocal coaching. Um, I think he's... he's From Alex Andreu. Well, I'm happy to I'm happy to help him if he's uh, that way inclined. Um, but, yeah, he's too nasal. He needs to connect to his diaphragm, and, and it makes a big, big difference. Stuff like that makes a big difference. I love that. I hope, he's listen- I hope his advisors are listening. That's great. One of them definitely does. Oh, One of them's going, get me Andreu! <laughs> the big red phone. I'm very good at this. I've, do- I've done it yeah. for a couple of people before. Um, it, it's very easy to sort out with some exercises. Okay, maybe so, I should, maybe should. There you go. Have a go at me. My diaphragm is very poor. Um, the Corbynites who want to blame Remain rather than the dear leader for the election result um, have therefore sort of blamed the second referendum policy uh, for driving away uh, Leave voters in the Red Wall TM, um, and they've pinned that on Starmer even though sort of most members wanted it, even though polls suggest this was not the decisive factor, et cetera, et cetera. Um, considering that he is the front runner, do you, think that's, do you think that's sticking? Do you think that's actually going to put anybody off him? I don't think it is. I, I mean, I have no way of knowing. But looking at the polling, it's looking quite positive for Starmer. Um, eh, but more, more encouragingly, I've spoken to a couple of uh, uh, friends who are died in the wool Corbynites. Um, from different age age groups as well. So one, an older voter who actually lives in Corbyn's constituency and the other two very young people who are very involved with Momentum. Um, and w- what's interesting is that having wheeled out all these 
lines to take about how we won the argument and it was all because of the Brexit position. I said at the end, so are you going to be supporting Rebecca Long-Bailey? And all three of them went, fuck no, Keir Starmer. <laughs> Which I thought was very interesting. So even even though they do subscribe to the these lines, I think they've come to recognize that having someone who is good at debating, essentially, is key. But it's quite interesting because before, you know, like months ago when people were talking about who would who would follow Corbyn if uh, if he lost, um, they were all saying, well, it's got to be a woman and it's got to be someone from, from outside London. Mm. And there were all these kind of sort of almost sort of identity yeah. boxes to be was ticked. Was that pre-Johnson or... No, no post. There was, yes, yeah, Johnson. it's incredible that it was this. The only person that can beat Boris Johnson has to be a woman from outside of London and a working class background. And it's like yeah. right because because that's so Johnson. And also, like, and also, I think you you know in all of this, you you sort of think who who are the Conservatives most afraid of, and they are the most afraid of Keir Starmer, and that surely is the person that, that you would then want. I don't know. That's not necessarily the only reason mm. for electing someone. I, I think we but just have to stop good painting reason. by numbers. We have yeah. to stop painting by numbers. We have to stop saying it's got to be this person because they have these attributes that are wholly unrelated to actual leadership. Wouldn't it be fucking fantastic if we could find a northern woman that was also an amazing leader that had experience in running a big organization. You know, if you could unite all those attributes, it'd be terrific. Um, and we will go on to talk about someone who may fit that. Bit. I also think that just very briefly on Keir, that he is exactly the kind of personality type that will let other people shine. Mm. I don't think that he would be the kind of leader who would make it all about himself. And I think he would be quite happy to say to somebody like Jess Phillips and Lisa Nandy that you can go and get as much profile as you want. Take question time. Take Westminster mm. Hour. You know, he, he. I don't think he's in this yeah, yeah. for vainglory. I was surprised that he... Because I, 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 before this all happened, I didn't think he was personally ambitious in that way. I didn't think he was up for being leader of the party so I was quite surprised and, and pleased that he's run because that says a lot about him that you don't look at that person and go oh he's absolutely mm. got an eye on the leadership and because he's been quite quiet he's quite a quiet he's not a sort of dominant uh, personality so I respond to that only because we've, we've, we're at the moment in a, in a place where everyone's got very dominant personalities and that's got us quite into maybe in the, mm. the mess that we're in the moment so Well one of my hobby horses is, is the whoever is leader they have to broaden the talent pool because I think one of the massive failures of Corbyn and you can say oh well it was because of the you know the coup in 2016 and people didn't want to work with him or whatever but he ended up with a very shallow talent pool in the shadow cabinet uh, and then of those only a few of them appeared on television during the campaign so people like Starmer and, and other people were being sidelined and so you ended up with sort of I mean, there was like Corbyn McDonald, and it, then it was it, there was the talent really sort of. What you, Barry Gardner? He was there Blessing. day after yeah. day. I mean, Bergen. It, the, Bergen. I mean, there were just so few, and I think terrific. I think, I think in terms of just management, you know, bring bring more people in because mm. there's all these people, and some of them are other leadership contenders, some of whom have been stuck on the back benches or very minor roles. Like bring them to the fore because there, there's a lot of good people here what just good leaders do. Had a the Corbyn continuity 10 out of 10 candidate is <laughs> Rebecca Long Bailey um, Naomi I mean she's I suppose that, I mean her kind of offer seems to be the easiest to read um, 
what would you think she's going to do differently? Obviously, she wouldn't say a word against Corbyn and describes the things that went wrong as if they were kind of like weather conditions that no human was involved in. They just happened. There was, there was, there was no coherent <laughs> narrative and it was just like, oh, it's so bad when a coherent narrative doesn't happen, isn't it? If only there were people <laughs> that could make one happen. So what is she going to... What is her uh, argument to the people that, that, that don't just think more of the same? It'll work. Well, we don't yet know. I mean, I think that that's the point that you've just made. She, she hasn't yet uh, given us any indication of of who Rebecca Long-Bailey is in terms of her values and, and vision for leading the Labour Party. And um, you know, it was written up this morning in Politico that... You know, she hadn't even really expected Corbyn to stand down this quickly and hadn't really prepared herself and didn't really take Christmas to uh, gear up for it and, and chose to sort of have, you know, quite... Is that really real? What did she well, think was going to happen? Well, I mean, the, the, yeah, uh, the, her critics are saying that, okay. you know, she uh, wasn't... Those who I think are of the left and want her to be doing better are, I think, annoyed that, that you know, there, there wasn't more prep. But I think the really interesting thing at the moment is this split in the left. Um, and we've seen John McDonnell, of course, not back Angela Rayner for deputy... Um, and to um, put, throw his weight behind Richard Bergen. So the left of the Labour Party don't seem to be as cohesive as they once were. Why would somebody back Richard Bergen over Angela Rayner, who seems genuinely impressive in, in, in certain ways... Like I just don't understand this. I thought and, Madonna and I, was the clever one, I, I, and I, and and I, I think people will be looking at Rebecca and Angela and saying, "Well, why did they go that way around?" Angela is is clearly a, a very good performer and speaker, and does have some ideas, and does seem to be. Um, well, maybe that's the answer, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah. But she is, Rebecca Lombelli did mention progressive mm. patriotism, but very, I mean, she got picked up on. A lot of people were very kind of angry, a lot of people on the left were very angry about this idea, even though it was only really, I think, one line in her, was it Guardian article, that one? Mm. Um, is that, I mean, it, was that an overreaction? Is there much in that? Or was it just a kind of like a line you throw in? I mean, I suspect it was, but of course, I would argue that progressive patriotism is exactly what the entire Remain movement has been about. We are patriots. We want what is best for Britain and we believe that you can be both incredibly proud of your country and therefore want what is best for it, which is to not walk away from the world's largest single market and have all of the benefits of freedom of movement and all the rest of it so um, I mean, the clue yeah. is in the name of your organisation yeah, yeah but what she meant by we it, won I the mean, argument I feel <laughs> what, what, what annoyed me about one of the, one of the things comparing previous uh, Labour uh, incarnations as Tory light again mm. so it's like you, we're not learning so well Tories have won Tories mm. keep winning so in some ways that's not the thing that's holding you back. Yeah. And I think she was I think she was referring to Ed Miliband <laughs> and certainly the Tony Tony Blair era. But still be exactly they were in government. But that's what annoys me this period of reflection thing it's it's you're, this, this, the blame is still being placed in the same places despite co- all evidence the but there's contrary. too much pandering to 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 people who have been prov- provably demonstrably I'm not saying they're wrong but they're demonstrably out of step with most voters and most voters do not care when they talk about she talked about cozying up to Murdoch yeah it was like do you know what it wasn't even all of Murdoch's papers it was the Sun the Times and Sunday Times still back the Tories in 97 this obsession with what one newspaper mm. did in 1997 nobody cares mm. Except, of course, the base. Yeah. And so it's just these little kind of like, you know, dog whistles. It's just like, okay, mention Murdoch, mention Iraq. 
and I don't see how any of this is actually of use it's, to... Yeah, and, and it, I remember it, oh. Ian and the Christmas podcast is something about moral purity, which is exactly the problem, I think, and has been the problem with this incarnation of, of the Labour Party. This moral purity test, that if you've done one thing wrong, that's it, you're, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of negative and vetting. Done. Negative and, vetting. And you impossible. once tweeted one yeah. thing that yeah. is a complete deal breaker yeah. for me. And Unless that thing yeah. is anti-Semitism. Oh, oh. Or the worst election results since 1935, and then you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely we fine. Let argument. bygones be bygones. Uh, next, she's vaulted up the ranking after her uh, appearance in this week's hustings. It's noted town enthusiast Lisa Nandy. So Ingrid, obviously Lisa Nandy really imp- imp- sort of impresses people when she when she talks and when she's sort of when she's heard. What do you make of her chances? Do you know what I, I, I'd like to say first of all um, that I I'm gen- I'm generally and genuinely impressed with the the standard of all of the Labour candidates at the moment. I, 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 and I know it's not X Factor, and you sort of you read about where people have come from, and I've been sort of taking time to look into people's journeys. Hmm. And uh, they're all very impressive people, um, actually. And so that's good. That's a really good thing. Lisa Nandy is somebody I, I've always liked her, actually, when I've seen her on the... And she's, she's been on television a lot. She, she seems to step up when other people in the party won't. Um, and she strikes me as someone who is very intelligent and, and very measured, actually. And she wasn't... And I know in the Brexit, in terms of Brexit, she was obviously one of the people that was saying she would have been for it on, on Labour terms. So... In terms of a Remainer, she wasn't she wasn't that, but she was. I I sort of bought what she said. She was seemed mm. to be very reflective and uh, to, to sort of sow her own. No, what's the word? What's the phrase when you do something? Plow your own half, field. That's play your own not field. Play your own furrow. Furrow. Field. Furrow. Um, so I have a, build your own town. A, build your own. But town. she does. She 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 talks about certain things without those kind of like setting off those blue labour legxit alarm bells does she yeah. doesn't, when she talks about kind of you know say the northern working class for example she doesn't sound like Caroline Flint I don't quite know what it is that she does differently she's very, she's just very again it's maybe it's a personality thing I know, I know leaders and leadership contests unfortunately or fortunately are they are personality contests to a certain extent because you want to know that if someone is challenged on something they're not going to lose their temper or, or be churlish or you know that uh, they're going to be rational and reasonable and she mm. seems strikes me as one of those people so I've sort of worked in and around similar um, organisations to Lisa for a long time and she and I have very, very similar politics. She is a liberal socialist. Mm-hmm. So I think the difference between her and a Flint is that she sort of rejects that authoritarianism that Flint has in bags. Um, and I'm a liberal socialist. And there's there's really, you know, a wafer between our politics on lots of particularly economic issues. And we're both big advocates of progressive alliance and cross-party working. And I think that is where, you know, she and Clive both have, uh, you know, really, really good um, pedigree and, and things to say. I do think... I think some of the stuff that she said in the last 24 hours before we recorded the show have touched on a they, they've sounded a little bit sort of social conservative um and that's why there's been some accusations of or oh, maybe she is sort of bringing back that, that blue labor way. vibe and um, some of the stuff that she was talking about community politics it was yeah. coming at it from a slightly you know more socially conservative yes. way and and I, I i think that isn't actually being true to her i don't know that she really does believe that herself what well, as an empowering community uh, individual towns to help themselves kind of thing. no no i think she believes in that bit yeah, of yeah, it, yeah. but not in the sort of um oh you know the, the the poor white working class have maybe got a legitimate you know reason for feeling the way they do um which sort of touches on or begins to encroach into some of the xenophobic stuff that we we really don't like 
Sure. And I think, and the thing I will say about Nandi, just to finish, was that I think she she's talk, you know she talks about towns and regenerating towns and 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 the north which is absolutely right and is absolutely yeah, what agree. people should be talking about but whether that translates to a nationwide sort of a consensus for some to appeal to a nationwide electorate i don't know well it's not a nationwide electorate it's largely based in london yeah Oh, you talk about the larger electorate, as in, as oh, in right, how, sorry, no, as in she. Yeah, no, that's yeah, what I mean, like how she. Right, will, yeah, but in order to win, yeah, she's got to appeal convince to, yeah. the Labour members who are not uh, outside of London. Next up, we have Jess Phillips. Uh, Alex Phillips is hated by all the right people, um, but which of the criticisms actually do you think will will stick and would be a problem um, when she when you know if she was leader? Because a lot of the stuff is that you, they're the people that you would expect to attack or attack her for the reasons you'd expect them to yeah. attack her. But which, which criticisms have substance? Um, I think Phillips has a very rare quality among the candidates at the moment, um, which is there is something about her that speaks to both metropolitan uh, sort of liberal bit of the vote of Labour and there's something about her that also speaks to working class people which is mm. diamond dust okay I mean it's ultimately what the Labour Party should be aiming for if it wants to in 10 years get a big thumping majority and do stuff um, my only reservation and and this is in many ways an implied criticism of the Corbyn um, administration is that she lacks experience um, and it's not it's not just that she lacks front bench experience. It's that I think she lacks experience and it costs her. Mm. Um, so she seems to get flustered is easily because she's just she just hasn't had the the exposure to journalists. You know, really questioning her on the detail of the policy and that sort of thing. You know, she's she's coasted very well on being a big personality and being incredibly charismatic. Um, but, you know, when she's being questioned on the detail of her policy, she I find her lacking. And so I, I mean, I have no doubt that Jess Phillips will be a leader in... 10 years' time, but is she the leader for now? Is she the person to steady the ship? I'm not sure. But I'm I think people sure. like it. I mean, a friend of mine, uh, it's criticised, who really doesn't like Jess Phillips, who's just going, oh, she's the kind of person who would be in, like, Select magazine, for which myself and producer Andrew must <laughs> spent many happy years, um, you know, alongside, you know, Jess Phillips meets Liam Gallagher or whatever. And in a sense, and, and that was meant as a criticism, but I thought, you know, that's entirely true because she does have that kind of, like, there's a kind of there's a, a warmth and a sort and of a an energy there yeah. and a normalness and it's very exciting yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just you kind of wonder well some there has to be some compromise well, on that exactly. as leader also also Labour haven't got a problem with young voters they, that's, they're fine there and Jess Phillips is somebody who I think appeals exactly in what you were just saying about the select magazine thing but they 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 they've lost they've hemorrhaged older voters I think and I don't know if Jess Phillips is is the person to sort of bring yeah. those people oh, you, you, you make a really interesting point I'm going to come back to you just after I've said that I think her slogan is the best of all of them the speak truth win power is absolutely yes, brilliant yeah, yeah, right. whoever Great came up slogan. with that you know is, is, is brilliant um, but you're right Ingrid I think where I've not seen any of the candidates yet address um, a very serious issue particularly when they're talking about you know winning back certain seats and all the rest of it is an 
understanding and an acceptance of demographic yeah. change. Yeah. Um, not just within their own voter base, but within those seats themselves. Yeah. We've had an ageing population and a lot of those seats have been lost in part because the electorate there is just older yeah. yes. and it has changed and it isn't as young and as skilled yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as it once was because those people have had to become economic migrants and move elsewhere. But I, I want to hear I wanted to hear what she has to say about some of this stuff because I just had a very kind of brief met her very briefly a few weeks ago like a, a kind of book festival and I was talking about oh what do you do with you know your leaves leave seat how do you you know you you believe in remain how do you speak to leave voters you know how do you square this so talk about basically all the kind of the problems that we've been talking about for the last two years and I was going you know do you know do you know how to kind of do that and to bring these different people together and she just went yes <laughs> Like just abs- and I was completely shocked because basically every time we have the conversation, someone goes, "Well, you know, it's hard, and you do that." And she was just like, "Yes, yes, I do. I know how to talk to people." And I thought, okay, maybe this is just like ego, um, but I would like to see that when she's actually put to the test in in say Hustings, um, what kind of ideas she comes up with. But I think that might be the lack of experience that mm. I was talking about the about the policy detail. Now, on the positive side, sticking with my theme of being constructive, um, I'd say that Labour is so far behind and they've lost elections now really under a centre-left person, a slightly more left person, a slightly more left person. You know, so maybe the wild card that can absolutely turn the... Con- contest upside down is Jess Phillips you know if you don't Mm. want this to take two terms Mm. to recover from I have just a gut feeling that the the person who might be different enough to actually make a big impact very quickly Mm. might be Jess Phillips well we don't like the bookies we don't have much time for the last two uh, contenders Um, but we're talking about um Clive Lewis. Mm. I mean, he's not the Corbyn gang's main pick. Um, he's been very sort of independently minded. He was obviously an ardent Remainer. He has a following on the left, I suppose what you call the sort of the independently minded yeah. uh, left. Um, why is he, why does he not appear to be making uh, any headway? Is there just not a kind of contingency for him? Um, you m- Long time listeners of the podcast might remember we did a rapid fire round a year and a half ago, maybe, even two years ago. And uh, one of the questions put to me was, who's going to be the next Labour leader? And I said Clive Lewis um, at a time when, yeah, nobody else had really heard of him at all, I don't think. Um, I think he, to answer your question directly, he hasn't um, built a, a, a base within the parliamentary party um, in sufficient number. Potentially, we'll see when they, when they finally publish the numbers of MPs that are backing each Um and because of sort of being, you know, the, the, the issue we talked about earlier about talent not really being given mm. much profile and prominence within the the, the, the Corbyn machine um, hasn't quite had that exposure. But as you say, yes, very involved in the sort of love socialism, hate Brexit brigade. Um, some of them are now obviously backing other candidates. Um, but you know he's he's said some really very good stuff. And if he's going to be knocked out, I would really hope Kia. Um, Lisa Jess would would take on board a lot of that stuff. I mean, he has been the only one so far that has made in a very, very explicit case for working cross-party. And frankly, it is not going to just be enough to have a charismatic leader. The size of swing that Labour are going to need at the next election is now bigger than they needed in 97. And that is before we have had boundary changes. 
So they cannot do it alone. And so the next leader has to work with the Liberal Democrat leader, the SNP leader, Plaid leader. Yeah, so he's seen someone like if, if he doesn't get anywhere with the leadership, he should be strongly involved. Absolutely. In, in whatever happens Finally, uh, disparager of white van men, Shadow Foreign Secretary Emily Thornbury. Um, Ingrid, given that the whole narrative around Labour's defeat and the Red Wall TM is um, how do you reach kind of white working class voters and that's certainly the the narrative or not the whole story and of course somewhere it was one tweet 2014 but she does have the reputation of being kind of kind of snooty do you think that silly that one thing in itself is just really going to hurt her in this context well it's not just one thing is it because she, she's well she's accused of allegedly uh, saying to caroline flint or saying that the caroline flint's constituents were stupid for well, let's, let's not that amplify was, that. No, 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 but that's... Because but, Caroline... But that's her rep, whether yeah. true or not. But exactly, that's, that's, yeah. that's happened. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, and, it's, and I think she's she's looking at taking Caroline Flint to court, legal yeah. action, but but unfortunately, because she's one of those women, and I, I really like Emily Thornbury, she is she is one of those women like Jess Phillips who does not give a flying fuck, and she will say what she thinks. And I, while I admire that hugely in, in a person, um, again... In a, in a leader, I don't know. She's, I mean, she's currently, I think, ninth in in the in the book book bookmakers polls behind Owen Smith and uh, Alan Johnson, who aren't even running. Uh, so that's not great. <laughs> that's not not that's not great. She hasn't yet. As in ninth in the, like odd pitch. checkers. Yeah. No, yeah. sure, yeah. no, exactly. Yeah. And actually, that's true. And so I, to, to talk about it in terms of um, that, I I don't particularly know what she's bringing to the table yet. She's uh, she's on television a lot, a lot at the moment, obviously because she's shadow foreign secretary. So she's she's sort of. Uh, she's talking about the, you know what's happening in Iran at the moment, um, sort of which again fits is quite an, for her I imagine quite a useful thing because it, you're you're showing it's almost your pitch in a way saying I'm an experienced. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, th- I think she, I think she she was she was one of those people you could tell from kind of leaks or whatever was kind of on the right side in those shadow cabinet meetings. You know, she was she was saying some very interesting things after the election. You could tell that she'd been very sort of frustrated I you know broadly like her but again I, I don't know whether she has a constituency everybody else mm. seems to have those those top four we've talked about mm. they all seem to have a constituency yeah, yeah. Mm. a lane mm. and I really don't know what her lane yes, is yes agreed her lane um, was basically Starmer's lane wasn't it just very quickly in the running for deputy leader we have Angela Rayner as mentioned and Dawn Butler as well as Rosina Alan Khan Khalid Mahmood Labour's only MP in Scotland Ian Murray my personal favourite politician and person of all time <laughs> Richard Bergen um I would go probably. I'm kind of leaning Rainer. Uh, who else do we like? Alice? I'm I'm leaning Ian um, because he's brilliant on Europe, and because when we listen to what all of these leadership candidates are saying about seats that we've got to win back, you do not hear them mention Scotland, yes, and it is like agreed. Labour has just given up the ghost on yeah. Scotland completely. And I know lots of friends and family who spent the Christmas period in Scotland with Scottish relatives who all held their nose to vote SNP, who want to be able to vote Labour again, mm. but but tactically voted SNP yeah. to stop the Tories. So, you know, absolutely desperate for Labour to have a resurgence north of the border. I agree with Naomi. What, that would be a nice message to send. It's like if you have a Scottish deputy leader that we did, especially with what's yeah, yeah. potentially going to be coming but then there might be a two-man problem if it's Keir sure I think they have different qualities and I think people should vote for a package so depending Mm. on who you vote for leader you should vote for someone that has complementary skills as deputy well we've got many weeks to go what really makes government work and why do things go wrong what's really going on in the engine room of policy every week in Inside Briefing from the Institute for Government 
We look at who and what determines the way that we are governed. You don't just leave a pot of money on the side of the road for businesses to pick up. Three and a half years after the referendum, six months after we were supposed to have left, every single option is on the table. We're obviously in a very odd time where things can change in a matter of minutes. You can get Inside Briefing from the Institute for Government every week on your favourite podcast app. Finally, Boris unites the country. He promises it, therefore he's going to do it. The government has been pushing the rhetoric, if not the reality, of unity since the general election. In Johnson's New Year message, he pledged to be a Prime Minister for everyone by delivering on the people's priorities, not the animals' or shoes' priorities, <laughs> the people. Scratch the surface, though, the message looks a bit more like, shut up, stop moaning and agree with me. Yeah. Can we stay, stay sceptical and critical without turning into dead-end continuity remainers who are trying to fight a battle that's been lost? Ingrid, the Prime Minister for everyone, was living it up in the everyman's destination over Christmas. Mystique. Uh, he says he wants unity while getting in plenty of shots against the uh, the disloyal old parliament that wouldn't let him do what he wanted. Is this just another form of... I mean, every every PM does that, don't they? When they... Theresa May, do you remember, was reaching out to the whole nation? There was a wonderful speech Theresa that she May? did. I don't yeah, no, she did nothing her. about yeah, it. Yeah. That was like her Who? first speech as That leader. feels like 5,000 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Theresa May, you know that kind of like grey spectral blur in the edge of your vision? That's Theresa May. Um, Is there there anything to this or is he just trying to sort of set it up that, you know, basically like you're Ramonas if you don't get behind it? Firstly, firstly, the the sheer hypocrisy of someone saying bloody parliament uh, that we couldn't do anything because of them who who twice voted down Theresa May's deal. So... Go fuck yourself. Um, so you uh, do remember who she was. No, yes, there we go. But also, no, that, that speech, I listened to that speech, and actually, Remainers weren't... He wasn't talking about uniting Remain and Leave. There was no mention of Remainers. It was, it was, uh, it was about uh, people who had previously voted Labour uh, coming and voting Tory for the first time, and he was saying how, how you know, he was honoured and how he wouldn't let them down and how he was going to unify people who had voted Labour in the past. No mention of Remain yeah. and also just again and I know I know Remain there's no point in sort of harking on about it but when you add as we've said before when you add the collective votes for, for Leave Party and Remain parties it, it's sort of yes Labour you, is, you can say is furious but you know the Leave parties won by 47 there was 47% so it wasn't like they had a, a, a sort of outright victory that, that they can just pretend but they didn't have the popular no, that they can just pretend that the rest of us don't exist and regardless of what that vote you know in 2016 it, there's still 16 point however many million Remainers in the country who he has not talked about or mentioned once so that's pissed me off so uh, it's going to be really uncomfortable at home basically <laughs> that's what I'm saying <laughs> Um, he's also apparently trying to ban the word Brexit uh, from number 10 and will be shutting down Dexu. <laughs> um, Naomi, obviously one of these has rather more kind of tangible impact than the other. Uh, let's start with the with with the word. Um, is not mentioning Brexit going to uh, <laughs> going to help avoid the problems of Brexit? It's sinister, isn't it? This mm. kind of like you know we, there are words that are deemed to be okay to be said and not so you know you can f- fuck off and we'll ram brexit down his bloody throat and we're going to level as alex started the show by saying you know the the leavers can bloody well own brexit and no the word isn't going to go away in terms of the um closing down deck cu uh obviously that then means that you've got um 
scrutiny committees that will no longer be there to scrutinise the function of those ministries. Um, and this is, you know, all part of what we warned about and why we said we shouldn't have a general election and um, and and the sticky mess that we're in and why Parliament is now not going to be the key battleground and why that scrutiny has got to come from other quarters um, and whether that is, you know, a, a much more activist civil society or, you know, think tanks being properly funded to do the work of, of you know, the great work that Hillary Benn and others have been doing or not, you know, remains to be seen. But, it, it, you know, we've got to find the people that are prepared to pay for that and it's incumbent upon all of us because I don't know that we can necessarily rely on it from the media either. Well, that's a, that's a real something I haven't really got my head around yet after, uh, you know, two and a half years of this intensely activist parliament. Mm. Incredibly dramatic mm. yeah with with mm. really important interventions with kind of really sort of prominent Where, backbenches yeah. so many knife edge votes and yesterday's none, none of debate ended three now. hours early mm. you think about over the last yeah, two yeah. years how many votes have not happened till 10 p.m and then not been counted until yeah. later and n- none of that now because that's what happens when you've got a rip-roaring majority everything goes through no one bothers to turn up and lose their voice shouting it down Alex what do you expect Johnson uh, a man of great vision and ideological conviction to try and achieve uh, beyond Brexit in this kind of, in in this five-year term, or I suppose you'd say Johnson and Cummings. Like, what do, what well, do they... Cummings, what do really. they Oh, just Cummings. Well, what yeah, do, what, I don't think Johnson cares. What do they, what do they want? Johnson, nothing. Genuinely. I saw, I saw the first PMQs today. Um, he's he's just interested in being in that position and cosplaying um, Churchill. That's all he's interested in. He genuinely has no ideological base from which to move with ideas. Therefore, he's a he's you know sheet hanging. Seeding it all to coming. So. Yeah. Well, because before the election, and obviously you, ramp- and also he's not interested in it. <laughs> but obviously you ramp up. Uh, you know the stakes before an election uh, and uh, so you should because you want to get people to to the polls um but obviously there was some huge talk of like well this is the end this election is a once in a lifetime kind of thing this is the kind of the end of the nhs this is kind of the most radical right wing government etc cetera, etc cetera. um set against that you have the kind of the the real some moral and intellectual vacuum of johnson what do you think is a danger? What 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 is the, the things that they might want to do, or the companies might want to do, or, or whoever um, that does actually kind of worry you and does kind of rise to the level of those pre-election fears? Um, as as I said in a different context before the election, when I was talking about the Labour uh, prospectus being too much, all at the same time. Um, that's my fear with this that there's going to be there's going to be a sense that just by kicking things over um, there's going something positive will come out of it and in my experience the people who pay when things get kicked over are the poorest always there is literally no historical counterexample of uh, you know, massive upheavals that don't affect those closest to the to the economic precipice first before everyone else. So that's my big worry, that they're going to try and grab um, this opportunity of this big majority to do too much too soon and actually cause an economic shock. 
Ingrid, what, what worries you most about this next term? <clears throat> um, I uh, I saw something on Twitter, which I think you saw that name as well. Again, you, how much credence you lend to these things. But it was a, a gentleman who is, a, I think, worked in the law. He's a lawyer of some sort. He said he'd been phoned by, uh, oh, yeah. by is it by, Con- what's the name of that? Yeah. Um, one of the pollsters. One of the pollsters saying, how how do you feel about the judiciary? Do you think it, it's too political at the moment? And it, it he he's saying he said that it was it was on behalf of the government. So so their feelers being put out, and it's not a surprise because it was in the manifesto saying what the relationship between the judiciary and, and parliament should be. Um, and that's clearly something they are looking to do. And I don't like the idea of that very much. Mm. Nor should anyone. That frightens the bejesus yeah. out of me. So that's mm. that's what scares me. Um, and I was just thinking about this response to Iran and, suppose, you know, the Trump, um, the assassination of Soleimani. Uh, obviously, not somebody whose death you particularly mourn, um, but done in the most kind of reckless, inflammatory way possible. Do does everything that Johnson says that kind of um, endorses Trump or kind of pulls back from criticizing Trump? Can we put ev- everything down, as Corbyn was suggesting, to um, needing the trade deal with the US? Or do you think that this is just what Boris Johnson no, is I like mean, with what, the American president? Well, what Conservative Prime Minister hasn't stood shoulder to shoulder with the United States? What Labour Prime Minister hasn't but stood shoulder to I shoulder don't, with the I US I think for it's that more matter. pernicious this time. And one of the things I've noticed that, you know, I've got a, a, a news app that pushes, con- syndicates content from all the different... Um, uh, papers and websites and I noticed that um, the Sun often Sun articles often appear in the most read and increasingly it's quite a sensationalist headline of like you know husband shot woman in face after Christmas dinner oh. and you go what and you click on it and it's like it's happened in Kentucky right. and the Sun is now beginning to report American stories as if they're British mm. stories mm. as it we are just an extension of America yeah, we yeah. are 51st state and I, I do think it is more worrying that we are oh, I, d- don't uh, misunderstand uh, me totally of course it's more worrying just making an active choice to be a minnow in their orbit rather than a well, look of course it's more worrying because the person Europe. in charge of America at the moment is an unpredictable loon so standing shoulder to shoulder with them involves massive risks um but at the same time i i think it's a it's an interesting experiment to test out this this idea you know this blair theory that's constantly being thrown out of any candidate that's in the least like blair you know would you want another iraq war well here we get to find out if your choice not to support a center-left politician and put someone like boris johnson in charge results in us not getting involved in the next middle eastern conflict i suspect not you know, I suspect the UK will follow the US in whatever it chooses to do. Rather than the greatest peace project in human history that is the EU. Yep. This week's show comes to you with the support of our friends at Everymatic, the boutique travel agents with their insider knowledge to create a bespoke Greek holiday that's right for any taste and any budget. Whatever else happens this year, freedom of movement will still be in effect until Christmas 2020, so you've got summer 2020 at least to enjoy the best of Greece without any passport or visa hassles. Whether you're looking for food, culture, nightlife or the best beaches in Europe and whatever you've got to spend, Everymatic can build a holiday in Greece to suit your family and your personal requirements. 
drop a line to alex at everymatic.com. That's Alex in Athens, not me. And tell her Romaniacs sent you. She'll find out what you're looking for and put together the best holiday of your life. Personally, I find it difficult to recommend specific places in Greece because they depend on when you're planning to go. So you can go to some of the popular destinations like Mykonos or Corfu or Rhodes if you go slightly off-season, say May or end of September. But if you go at the height of the, the season, like July or August, then perhaps it's better to visit the smaller islands like Amorgos or Milos, or perhaps explore the mainland, the Peloponnese, the peninsula at Pelion, Northern Greece, Macedonia is absolutely gorgeous, and the Halkidiki Hersonisos. So um, with Greece, you really can't go wrong. It's all about matching the timing to the destination. So give them a shout at alex at everymatic.com, because concierge travel should be for the many, not the few. We've reached the end of the show, where we'd usually do the Brexit time capsule, the mysterious cache of stuff and people that we'd bury underground and dig up if we ever left the EU. Now that Brexit is definitely happening, it's almost time to commit the time capsule to the ages and the mystification of generations yet unborn. Over the last few years, we've asked our guests and panellists for their choices every week, but now it's your turn. Before the door of the bunker swings shut and the time capsule is buried safely, what do you think should go in there? What will be the best commemorations of the Battle of Brexit for future generations to look back and marvel and mourn? Send your suggestions to info at romaniacs.com. We'll read out the best ones, and the best of the lot will win a special mug and T-shirt set. In the meantime, this week's foreign language clip is in Serbo-Croat from listener Alex Error. Draga Britanija, ako ste već navali da napustite Evropsku uniju, je može Srbija da ima vaše mesto. Jer mi u Srbiji znamo kako je biti jedna mala, nebitna zemlja na periferiji Evrope. I verujte nam. That means, dear Britain, if you're really so insistent on leaving the European Union, can Serbia have your place? <laughs> because here in Serbia, we know what it's like being a small and insignificant country on the periphery of Europe. So trust us, we'd much rather be in your position. Oh, that's so depressing. <laughs> we always welcome your foreign language messages. So send us a recording at info at romaniacs.com. Keep them short and we'll use the best ones. And that's it for today. Thanks to Alex, Ingrid and Naomi. We're back next week and the week after on and on till we're not needed anymore, which will be never. Now it's time for our theme tune, Demon is a Monster by Corner Shop. Visit ampleplay.co.uk for a free download and to find out about their new album, England is a Garden, out in March. Here's some thanks to our latest Patreon backers. Hello, and thanks for fighting the good fight to Will Scallon, Holly Wright, Laurie McLeod, Hal Wilson, Gwillem, Kieran Sundstrom, Claire Harradine, Patrick Fahey, Stephen Howell and Emily Bacon. And hello from me to Rod Fraser, Ben Adler, Rona Parsons, James Mahoney, Jean McEwen, Anne Wolfe, Adam Fairbrother, Jim Croft, Neil Tamplin and Michelle Hunsher. Many thanks and best wishes from me to Neil West, Joe Creese, Adrian Burgess, James, that's just James, Dizzy Etzmar, Adam Francis-Smith, Moni Petrov, Stuart Couch, Rob Harper and Joe Senior. And finally, thanks for me to Emily, Andrew James Skelton, Jeff Richmond, Molly Sato, Debbie Slaughter, Julia Cox, Tom, Rachel Keane, Sadie Hale and Simon Rippon. We will see you next week. Romaniacs was produced and presented by Dorian Linsky with Ingrid Oliver, Naomi Smith and Alex Andre. Audio production and scripting was by me, Alex Reese. The producer is Andrew Harrison. 
and Romaniacs is a Podmasters production. Thank mm-hmm. you.